0: And now here's this week's message from Hollyview Church. We continue our study in the book of Zechariah as Pastor Joel brings the message, The Flying Scroll and the Basket from Zechariah chapter 5.
1: All right, good morning. Uh, I, I want to read Psalm 85 and then I want to pray and then we'll dismiss the kids and then I'll go into the, the message. But I, I think Psalm 85 is a fitting text for us as we uh, approach God's word this morning in just a, a few minutes. Psalm 85, says to the choir master, a psalm of the sons of Korah. Lord, you were favorable to your land. You restored the fortunes of Jacob. You forgave the iniquity of your people. You covered all their sin. Selah. You withdrew all your wrath. You turned from your hot anger. Restore us again, O God of our salvation, and put away your indignation toward us. Will you be angry with us forever? Will you prolong your anger to all generations? Will you not revive us again that your people may rejoice in you? Show us your steadfast love, O Lord, and grant us your salvation. Let me hear what God the Lord will speak, for he will speak peace to his people, to his saints, but let them not turn back to folly. Surely his salvation is near to those who fear him, that glory may dwell in our land, Steadfast love and faithfulness meet. Righteousness and peace kiss each other. Faithfulness springs up from the ground and righteousness looks down from the sky. Yes, Yahweh will give what is good and our land will yield its increase. Righteousness will go before him and make his footsteps away. Hear the word of the Lord. Let's let's pray. Lord, as we come to you this morning, we ask that you would Bring us to repentance in our nation, that you would humble us, that we would return to you, Lord, that you could give your goodness over us in forgiveness and righteousness like peace, uh, a blanket over each one of us. Lord, I pray for uh, the elections coming up. Um, Lord, we, uh, we don't really have any hope in our government. We have our hope in you, but Lord, you ask us to pray for our leaders. And so, Lord, I pray that even now you would uh, be working in the hearts of the men and women who uh, lead our country, lead our state, lead our cities, that they would turn and uh, call upon you. Lord, I want to pray for our uh, missionaries throughout the world. I pray for uh, things going on in Noé, uh, down in Mexico, as they are teaching English and doing outreach to their community, I pray that you would be with Juan uh, and Eric and the rest of the leaders down there. Keep them uh, strong and encouraged. Pray for Eric Montgomery and his family as they have a, a couple months. It looks like a little bit of uh, downtime. Lord, I pray that you would allow them in all their travels to draw their strength from from you. Pray for Hispanics for Christ, Lord, as we... Uh, we are just a, such a small part of equipping and training leaders all over uh, South America and um, the, the pastors down there to know your word even, even more. And so, Lord, I pray that that would challenge and encourage us here as a, a church as well. Lord, I pray for the churches of uh, Damascus, um, that you would be with them this morning, that you would allow your word to be proclaimed that uh, what's happening at Good Shepherd this morning, that your uh, your people would be gathered together worshiping your name, that you would give them a fresh vision, you would give them energy and clarity in the things that they do. Also pray for uh, Gresham Bible this morning, even as we borrow some of their youth who have been over here that are helping to lead us in worship. Lord, would you just remind us that we are part of the bigger church than just us here at Hollyview. And Lord, God, uh, Give us peace this morning as we walk into a, a little bit crazy um, text. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Uh, good morning. My name is Joel. I'm the pastor here. If you are first through fifth grade, you're welcome to go uh, downstairs and you can enjoy that time together. Or you can or you can stay up here. Uh, okay, here, here's uh it says Jeremy and Kristen, are they here this morning? Yeah. So did both of them go? So that's one of the things, the nice things about being a small church. You kind of know, like, even piano this morning, we were like, oh, is that Caleb Frederick? Oh, no, Caleb's in California in a speech and debate thing. Like, we know where everyone's at. Uh, Jeremy and Kristen, this is a totally a side thing. Uh, Jeremy and Kristen, the first week they came here, we were preaching through Matthew, and I was preaching, I think it was Matthew 24, and it was like, woe to you. Uh, it was the whole chapter is woe to you, woe to you, woe to you. And it was during COVID. We were wearing masks and all spaced out. It was hor- it felt horrible. Jeremy and Kristen, if you don't know them, they're they're in North North Carolina because their grandson Oliver had to have open heart surgery. So we've been praying for him. Uh, that, that's kind of beside the point, but I mean it's big. T- that's that's big too. Uh, but the first time they came here, they they didn't know Jesus. Uh, they had called me the week before. Can we come to service? And I said absolutely come. And I'm preaching, woe to you, woe to you, woe to you. And then they leave, and I'm like, whoa, well, that's the last time I see them. Because who would want to come and listen to woe to you, woe to you, woe to you? Uh, the message this morning, uh, I feel like, is a little bit like that. Uh, so if this is your first time here, uh, thanks for coming. <laughs> But maybe it's what uh, maybe it's we trust. That's uh, what the Lord would have for you. And the story I can tell you the story of Jeremy and Kristen, and it's just beautiful, of how the Lord even used that in such a profound way. So I'm gonna I'm gonna pray in just a minute that the Lord would do that this morning, as well. We we preach just as a reminder. We preach through the whole canon of the Scripture, so we go through everything, uh, which means sometimes if you're just entering, we're in some crazy things. But we've actually led up to this for a couple years, uh, and we've been in Zechariah, this crazy uh, like, a vision uh, of what he's done the last several weeks. Uh, so if you're just joining us, strap your seatbelt tight. Um, we're going to be looking in, in chapter. Uh, 5 this morning. It's on page 746 in your pew Bible if you want to follow along. We're going to look at the 6th and 7th vision out of 8 visions. So 6th and 7th visions out of 8 visions and it's, it's strange. Uh, and my prayer this morning is I think what, this, I think what the Word wants to do uh, as, he, as it goes out through uh, the Spirit into your hearts, I think He wants to uh, comfort the distressed. So if you think if you're here this morning and you're feeling like, man, something's just not right, uh, I I think the word wants to go, there's healing, there's power, there's hope. But on the other side of things, I think if you're here this morning going, you know, I'm just fine. I'm living my life. It's just great. uh, I think the word is going to push into that as well, and and it's going to distress the comforted. Uh, So it's either going to comfort you or it's going to distress you. and how it goes out, I don't know where you're at. And so I'm just going to uh, trust the Spirit to move uh, in your in your hearts this morning. So Zechariah 5, uh, I want to read the first vision. That's on page 746 in your pew Bibles, Zechariah 5. If you're looking for it in your Bible, just go to Matthew, flip back just a few pages as it's the second to last book of the Old Testament. Zechariah 5, I want to read uh, verses 1 uh, through 4. If you wouldn't mind, would you stand up uh, one more? One more time as we read God's word. Zechariah 5. Hear the word of the Lord. It says, again, I lifted my eyes and saw, and behold, a flying scroll. And he said to me, well, what do you see? And I answered, oh, I see a flying scroll. Its length is 20 cubits, and its width 10 cubits. Then he said to me, this is the curse that goes out over the face of the whole land, for everyone who steals shall be cleaned out according to what is on one side, and everyone who swears falsely shall be cleaned out according to what is on the other side. I will send it out, declares the Lord of hosts. And it shall enter the house of the thief and the house of him who swears falsely by my name. And it shall remain in his house and consume it, both timber and stones. Let's stop right there and, and pray. Uh, Lord, I we come to you this morning and we ask that you would comfort those who are distressed. Those who need healing and hope. Lord, I pray that the end of the message this morning, they, their, their hearts would be drawn to you and they would, see, uh, they would see the salvation that's offered. And Lord, for those of us who are, are comforted and feel like we're doing just fine, Lord, I pray that this word this morning would prick us. Uh, It would make us just a little bit uncomfortable so that we would um, would move and we would move towards you. So I pray that you would open our eyes, we could see, Lord, open our ears, we could hear, soften our hearts that we'd understand. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. You can go ahead and have a seat. Uh, Flying scrolls that are making these uh, home visits. So what in the world is going on here? So before we dive into the message, I want to set set it up by sharing with you another story that we'll be relating to throughout uh, the study this morning, the message. Um, In eighth grade, I grew up in Ohio for part of it, uh, in that little blue house. It was a very small, uh, poor home, and on the back side of our house, right, it was like maybe 30 feet, and then there was a chain link fence, and then there was a railroad Uh, that went right through it. And if you've never woken up in the middle of the night by a train about 30 feet from your house blowing its whistle, you have not lived. (laughs) Because it would come through once a night. We were in the basement uh, of that house, and it would come through and blow its horn, and it would wake you up, and your heart would just be... Uh, Well, in that house... So we lived there probably maybe just over a little over a year, and in that house there was something that um, I remember to this day, a very... uh, just an event that happened that was kind of uh, shocking and we often even in our family still talk about. My dad was under a lot of stress uh, at work and all these businesses that he was in. Uh, He was working all the time. We were under financial, huge financial stress. Uh, And then also he got sick. So there was, he had like a fever and was laying in bed even though he had like a million things uh, to do. And I, I remember it because dad was in bed and then all of a sudden we had this commotion out in the hallway and all of us kids were like, what's going on? So me and my three siblings, we went out to the hallway to see what was going on. And there was my dad on his hands and knees, walking around on the floor, swatting at things. And we were, and like talking. Well, he was was hallucinating and seeing, he was seeing these things. And so uh, his eyes are open, but he's clearly like not even really there. And he's talking about the bees. We got to get away from the bees. The bees are everywhere. Get away from the bees. And so me and one of my brothers, we see this as an opportunity to, this this is kind of fun. Like, (laughs) you might think worse of me after this message, but so we're, me and my youngest brother, we're like, we look at each other and go, this is crazy and kind of weird. And we're like, this is kind of a cool opportunity. So we begin interacting with him on saying, dad, where are the bees at and all this stuff and we got to get out. He's like, yeah, you got to go, we got to go. So we're like, should we tell mom? Like, should she go too? And he goes, oh, they've already gotten mom. The bees have already gotten her. We just gotta leave her behind. And we're like, we gotta leave mom behind? Dad, you can't leave mom behind. Leave her behind, the bees have already gotten her. We gotta go, we gotta go out of there. And so me and my brother, we think like, this is hilarious. Like. <laughs> Dad's crawling on the ground, eyes open, and we're interacting and everything. And right about that time that we're laughing, we look over and my middle brother is sitting there and he's just got tears flowing down his face because he's really concerned. He's like, something's, something's not right here. This is, this is odd and I don't, know what, I don't know what to do about it. Now we probably shouldn't have been laughing because my dad crawling on the ground, <laughs> swatting at bees, and saying we gotta get out of here and leave mom behind indicated that there was a real problem there. I mean, you can laugh about it or you can cry about it, but, there, but those, him seeing those things indicated there is something very wrong here. Well, just like that incident with my dad revealed that something was seriously wrong, these next visions that we'll see in Zechariah are going to demonstrate that we've got a real problem. There is an issue before us that you can't ignore. You might want to laugh, maybe you want to cry, but you cannot deny it. And you might be thinking, okay, what, what problem is so big that we can't ignore it? I mean, maybe you have a problem, Joel, uh, but I think I'm doing oh, okay. What's the big deal? And there might be some of you here this morning that you've recognized, man, we've got these big things in our lives, and I don't know what to do about them. I wonder if there's any hope at all. Is there an answer for what I'm dealing with, the issue that's in front of me? Is there a way out? Well, that brings us back to Zechariah 5, and we're going to look at two visions this morning. A flying scroll, and the second one we're going to look at is this basket with this lady inside of it uh, who's being taken away by these ladies with stork wings. We'll get there. Uh, we're gonna see both this morning. Here's the two things that we're going to or here's the two things we're gonna see. We're gonna see uh, one, the meaning of that vision of the flying scroll is that sin is revealed. There's a diagnosis that's given to each one of us. Sin revealed in the first four verses. And then the second vision of this woman in the basket is, is gonna the meaning that we're gonna see in it is that sin is removed. So sin revealed and sin removed, we're gonna see both the diagnosis of what's going on and the and the cure. You know, a diagnosis often is super difficult to hear, especially when you don't know what's what's going on. But when you finally hear this is the diagnosis, it actually can lead you to, to a little bit of hope in, in some cases, that, there, that there's good news. Here's the answer. Here's, here's the, the salvation of what you're looking for. Well, the sixth vision, let's look at that, the flying scroll, and we're going to see sin revealed. We're going to see the diagnosis. Zechariah 5 and verse 1 it says this, again, I lifted up my eyes and saw. Now, these are parallel to the first four visions that we saw. And so uh, six and seven are going to be parallel to two and three. So if you wanted to go back and look at them, uh, you can see them in, in parallel. We'll, we're going to look at more of that in, next week on vision eight, as we'll see the whole eight and how they, how they function together. So again, I lifted up my eyes and saw. And behold, he looked and saw a flying scroll. And he said to me, what do you see? Last week he said, I don't know, but this week he said, oh, I I see a flying scroll. And he gives even one more uh, detail. Its length is 20 cubits by uh, 10 cubits, 20 by 10 cubits. So he sees the scroll, but it's, it's not any scroll. It's like a huge scroll. You can probably imagine what a scroll looks like. I don't think it's too hard to imagine for any of us, like a parchment paper or an animal skin that's been rolled up and maybe has like uh, something in the middle that you you unroll to uh, to read it, a scroll. And this scroll seems to be flying uh, and, and somehow he can see the dimensions of it uh, because it's it's huge, it's 20 by 10 cubits. Now a cubit, in case you didn't know, is a, a rough estimate of your elbow to your tallest finger. So maybe about 18 inches uh, for from, from probably most people. So 18 inches long. So 20 by 10 is really about 30 by 15 feet. 30 by 15 feet. 20 by 10 cubits. 20 by 10 cubits. What an odd thing to throw in this random vision. Uh, here's the scroll floating, and the thing that he notes of it is how big it is. Uh, it's, it's odd. It's, and maybe some commentators say it's just a random, it's just a random thing. We don't really know. And we we don't really know because it doesn't tell us why, it, it gives us this measurement. But I, I wonder, the hearers of this first vision who are instructed and encouraged to build the temple, they're working on the temple, if this measurement of 20 by 10 cubics has any meaning uh, for them that they would have seen. I, I think it actually would have meant something. There, there were three sections in the temple uh, that they would have looked at. The, the first one was uh, the vestibule or the entryway uh, the next was the holy place, and, the, and the, the next section was the holy of holies. Now, each of these were designed in very specific ways and had very specific instructions on how they were to be built. So the people who are working on this and have these blueprints in their mind of the temple that they're supposed to build, hear this vision of this scroll that's 20 by 10 cubits. And we'd see, we're going to see that one of those... Uh, Areas is exactly 20 by 10 cubits. It's the exact dimensions given to the vestibule or the foyer or the entryway. Uh, it's where they would come in to God's presence. The first entry into God's presence was the vestibule, the entryway, and it was 20 by 10. In 1 Kings 6 and verse 3, it says this, "'The vestibule in, in front of the nave of the house "'was 20 cubits long, equal to the width of the house.' and 10 cubits deep in front of the house, 20 by 10 cubits. So as they see this scroll, and he goes, it's 20 by 10, it, it may not mean anything, but I think to the first hearers, when they're thinking 20 by 10, they're thinking the vestibule, the entrance to the, this temple, the entrance to the presence of God. And, and here's, here's some more on the scroll, verse 3. It says, then he said to me, this is the curse or the oath that goes out over the face of the whole land. For everyone who steals shall be cleaned out according to what is on one side, and everyone who swears falsely shall be cleaned out according to what is on the other side. I will send it out. Keep that in mind. I will send it out, declares the Lord of hosts. And it shall enter the house of the thief and the house of him who swears falsely by my name, and it shall remain in his house and consume it, both timber and And stones. This uh, scroll that he sees—that's the same uh, dimensions as the vestibule, the entrance to the presence of God in the temple—is is is not at the temple. It's being sent out by the Lord. It's like the this word is alive and active and is going over the whole face of the land, the face of the earth. It's like there is nowhere to hide. It's not just going out over Israel. It's not just the words or the scroll. To Israel, but actually to all the nations. This word that goes out then is gonna convict people of, of sin, and if it goes in there, the holiness of God and his presence is going to consume the the timber and the stones, and there's nowhere to hide. I think there's, there is a little bit of a, a link to the, the Passover in this. This idea of on the Passover night that the angel of death was going to go into every home. And, and if you had the, the blood of the Passover lamb, this innocent lamb, then, then it would pass over. But if you didn't, the presence of God, this angel of death was going to, to come in and your firstborn was going to be killed. But, but here, we don't have a, a Passover lamb or the blood. We, we, have, uh, we have nothing other than the scroll who's coming to everyone's home. God's presence in the Holy of Holies is coming to your living room. It's coming to your bedroom. It's going to your car. It's going to your office. The presence of God is going to come Everywhere you are, you cannot hide. Uh, Well, the scroll is another interesting piece that uh, lots of scholars have pointed out. It's written on both the front and the back sides. Now, most scrolls, like you never see a scroll written on both sides. That's just, it's not how they do it. You write it it on one side, you un- Unroll it and then you roll it back up. So there's something unique about this, uh, both sides. And in fact, we have one other place in the Bible where where there is the Word of God written on the front and the back, and that is on the Ten Commandments. You can read about this whole thing in Exodus 32. If you want to jot that down, you'll even see the words, uh, the exact words that we have in in Zechariah, which is reflecting really this Ten uh, Commandments. The Ten Commandments that are given in Exodus uh, 32 are written on stone tablets on the front and the back. two two stone stone tablets. Uh, Moses is up in the presence of God up there, and the people are all down below, and they're worshiping, they're getting all their gold together, and they're getting this golden calf, and they're worshiping this golden calf. Because Moses is in God's presence, but we're safe down here until Moses comes down off the mountain with those 10 commandments and the word of the Lord infiltrates where they're at and reveals their sin. And it says on that day about 3,000 people died because the Levites were given the command to go and cleanse, cleanse the people. Well, uh, that idea of the, the word, the scroll, and the commandments that's coming into the people, uh, and, and this gives two commands on there. It says, don't swear falsely and don't steal. Now there's a lot that could be said about these, but I think these two commands aren't just, uh, I don't want people to, uh, to, to lie or say that anything in the Lord's name, like I'm saying something on behalf of the Lord, or, or I don't want them to steal. Like everything else is okay, but those two are the really bad ones. I, I don't think that's what's happening here, because if you reflect back to the Ten Commandments, uh, on the front side and on the back side would be written uh, Commandments 1 through 5 on the front side, on the back side would be Commandments 6 through 10. Now, on the back side, on 6 through, through 10, there would be uh, the middle command. Commandment 8 would be, uh, don't steal. And on the front side, commandment 3, right in the middle, would be, don't swear falsely. So if you, if you push these commandments over, the very center command was, don't swear falsely and don't steal. It's like this scroll and these commandments are, are summarizing all of the law. This flying scroll is the whole law of God, the holiness of God that's coming to your home, to your heart, to reveal your sin and brokenness. There's nowhere to hide. The law shines in your heart in the darkest places. We can try and hide it. We can can try to work around it, but but God's word is going to come and it's going to sit right there. So I don't know uh, where you're at, or what you're even thinking, or if there's something that's even in you, the, this idea of God's word coming and revealing uh, the unholiness in you, the sin in you. Is there anything that you're hiding? Is there anything that that would be exposed if if God's law came to you? Well, let me set let me set this in context once again, where he gets this this vision from, because I think that's actually important as well. Uh, Israel, for 70 years, was in captivity in Babylon. And now they're back. They're back and they're given this encouragement to rebuild uh, the, the temple. 70 years before, on the very ground where they're uh, attempting to rebuild this temple, uh, was some of the most wicked, idolatrous, abusive things happened in the temple. 70 years before, the temple was so filled with evil and sin and and just horrible things that God, it actually was overflowing that God actually said, I'm going to remove you from this place. The temple, if you walked in it, every corner and nook in the temple was filled with uh, demonic worship. It was like dark areas of, of abuse, of sexual perversion, uh, of worshiping Satan. Uh, This—you walked into the temple, and it, it would be like we would take the red light district in the worst city, maybe Portland, uh, yeah. and, and bring it into Hollyview, so that when you walked in, every place you went was—you just you felt the cold chills in your bones. That's what the temple was like. So as they're back, rebuilding the temple, on the very grounds that they're rebuilding this temple, they're remembering. I, I know how we got to this point. And if God's law, if his holiness is not just coming to the temple, and we're safe if we're just at home, his law is going to go through the whole land to our homes Zechariah's vision was that God's word would cleanse the land from evil. Not just the temple, but our houses and our hearts. And that would lead to destruction. They had a serious problem. You know, we had a serious problem. When my dad was on his hands and knees, swatting at flies, it revealed that something was going on. We had a problem there. We didn't know what it was, though. And it was actually over the next months and years, my, my dad, would other strange things would happen. He uh, His hands got to be tingly, and so his his, his leg felt like it was, it was lead. Uh, he would often fall over because he couldn't get a balance. And we had no idea what was going on. And the truth of the matter is, nobody else did either, because my dad often would just hide those things. Uh, he didn't want to People. I mean, you know it. If you have something going on, you don't want to let other people know about it. You often try and uh, just, just hide it. But after years and lots of tests later, it was revealed to my dad that he had MS. Uh, he was uh, diagnosed with that neurological disease that was very difficult. But here's the funny thing. Uh, we didn't know what was going on all those years, and it was very strange, and it was like, what is, that That was almost worse than hearing the diagnosis. Now we knew he had MS, and the doctors often, could often, whatever help they could, or whatever hope that they could, well, we can start you on these medications, we can help them treat these illnesses. The diagnosis uh, led to this, little, this little, uh, little bit of hope, because there was a cure or a treatment, not always a cure, but a, a treatment. And and we often sense that too, isn't it? It's harder to not even know. than once you know, you're like, oh, okay, I can deal with with that. Well, we all have a sin problem. It's in every home, every heart, every nation. But the good news is that this next vision is actually going to offer a cure or a solution. It's the removal of sin. Look at Zechariah 5 and verse 5. Then the angel who talked with me came forward and said to me, lift your eyes and see what this is that is going out. And I said, what is it? And he said, this is the basket that is going out. And he said, this is their iniquity in all the land. And behold, the leaden cover was lifted. And there was a woman sitting in the basket. And he said, this is wickedness. And he thrust her back into the basket And thrust down the leaden weight on its opening. Then I lifted my eyes and saw, and behold, two women coming forward. The wind was in their wings. They had wings like the wings of a stork. And they lifted up the basket between earth and heaven. Then I said to the angel who talked with me, Where are they taking the basket? And he said to me, To the land of Shinar, to build a house for it. And when this is prepared, they will set the basket down there on its base." It's the end of Zechariah 5. And you're probably asking, what in the world is going on? Well, uh, first Shinar is the same region where Babylon is. So when they built the Tower of Babel, it was in the land of Shinar. Shinar is Babylon. Uh, for people that are first hearing this rebuilding the temple, they know the land of Babylon very well, don't they? They just came from Babylon. He lifts up his eyes and he sees uh, this, this basket being sent out going Going out. Now, if you look in your Bibles, and if there's might be a footnote over basket, or if you have a different translation, you might see a different word for basket there as well. Is anyone you see it? Uh, it's the word epha. So here's a, a woman. Uh, we translate it as basket, and it is, and I'll explain it, but but the, the Hebrew word is epha. And ephah is not just like a basket you would grab, an ephah is a, is a measuring amount. It's the largest measuring amount that you could have. So in commerce, when you're buying and selling things, you would measure things by an IFA. Here is uh, this basket, this IFA, that's going out. If you think of it, um, it's very similar, I think, to a five-gallon bucket. So that's where my brain went. I'm not good with basket sizes, but those orange Home Depot buckets, that's what I. So as I've been thinking through this message, I've been thinking through the orange Home Depot bucket. Five-gallon bucket. and and there, uh, he says, this five-gallon bucket—the largest measurement, um, the largest measurement of any grain or things that you're selling—it's uh, it's like spilling over. You, you can see like grain or rice in a five-gallon bucket, like almost spilling over. The wickedness has reached the very top. It's overflowing in the land. There's no, the wickedness, there's no more grace. There's no more patience. The wickedness is just spilling out and something has to be done. We have a problem here and something needs to be done about it. This flying scroll that God sends out to cleanse the land is now paralleled with this basket that is collected. This idolatry, this uh, iniquity of the people, but on top of it is this Leaden lid, this really heavy thing holding it down, and it's being sent away. So, which has got to be good news. But then I think there's Zechariah, who's a bit like, okay, there's a basket and it's going out, and this is the iniquity of the land. He's like, well, what does it look like? Even the word uh, iniquity is the word appearance. So I wonder if it's like, what 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 is what's in the basket? I mean, what needs to be cleansed? What needs to be taken away so that our land is once again holy and blessed by the Lord? What what's in the basket? I mean, maybe maybe it's some government people. Maybe it's money. Maybe it's drugs or or power. Uh, What could it be? What, What if we got rid of in the land that all of a sudden it would be cleansed and holy again? What did we need and what did they need to collect in the basket in order to cleanse the land of sin and rot? And so he looks forward. And I imagine if this was like a horror movie, there would be some like... Shrieky music going on because then they lift up the lid. Like, what's going to be in the basket? What's going to be this iniquity, this wickedness, this horrible thing that needs to rid the land of? And they open the basket, and what he sees arr, 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 is a human. He, he sees a woman there. Now, don't think, oh, the women are wickedness because people are like, how are you going to preach this one? No, it's not about. <laughs> Women being wickedness. Uh, wickedness is the feminine uh, word in Hebrew. And so if you're going to personify wickedness, it's going to be a woman. That's, it's just a human. It's, it's wickedness in human form. So as he leans in to see what this sin and wickedness is, something that has to be done. we got a problem here. What are we going to do? He lifts the leg up and he sees a human. Now what do we do? I mean, if if the human is the the problem, we got a serious problem here because we're all humans. Is God just going to rid the land of everyone again? Wickedness and sin, it resides in the heart of each person who has stolen or lied, the things that rot our society. The diagnosis is that you are the problem. Uh, If, You come into the church and you're like, I don't know if the church is that good. Or maybe you think, man, this church is great. And you come in, the church is not great anymore. You're you're the problem. I'm the problem. Naturally, we want to ease this tension. We we want to to feel sorry for the woman. Or we maybe even want to laugh. Like, this is a really strange uh, vision. But if you honestly were in Zachariah's shoes and you looked in the basket... I wonder if you would see your own face. I wonder if Zechariah would, uh, like that line from so long ago, "I, I have met the enemy and it is me. But The angel puts the lid, this heavy lid, back down. And then there's these two women that come and they have these stork wings with the wind that carries them off to Babylon, the land of idolatry. Then we have more imagery, more visions, and more commentary. So you can imagine what everyone tries to make these things. It's all over the place, uh, from doing the will of the Lord to being demonic figures that that come. And they carry them off to the land of Babylon, the land of idolatry. Well, we this is the one thing we do know from Leviticus, is that storks are unclean, um, unclean animals. Uh, but they also have the wind that's driving them along, which could be the word spirit that's bringing them along swiftly to the Babylon. So an unclean thing doing the will of God. Uh, and I wonder if the people that are working on the temple who know their history very well of what's just happened uh, can picture, oh, this is that's just what happened to our grandparents who brought in all the stuff to the temple and God raised up Babylon, this unclean nation, to come in and carry them off to Babylon where they were set down. Is that, is that going to happen again? Are we going to mess up again? Well, we also see the same idea play out uh, with Herod and, and Pilate, these uh, unbelievers who are doing their own will, but God is using them to bring along uh, the salvation of all humanity as they uh, take Jesus and crucify him. But in doing that, cleanses the people of sin and offers forgiveness. Well, the scroll of the Lord is sent through the whole land to dwell with people. God wants to dwell with his people. But in that, it reveals this sin that we have a problem, we've been diagnosed with. The scroll enters your heart and reveals the sin that's that's lying there. The Bible says all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We've all sinned. It also gives us a diagnosis. The wages of sin is death. We've all sinned, and we all deserve to die. We've all been given the diagnosis, the condition of our hearts, sin, and death. But that diagnosis often points to an answer. We need a savior. We need someone to take our hearts of stone and rebellion and sin and change them, to, to bring life. And in that same verse in Romans, it says the wages of sin is death, but it tells us that the free gift of God is eternal life. Romans 8.1 says this, There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. In Christ Jesus. For the law of the spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. For God has done what the law weakened by the flesh could not do. It couldn't bring salvation. It only revealed our our sin. But by sending his own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin, he condemned sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirements of the law might be fulfilled in us, who walk not according to the flesh but according to the Spirit. If you ever find yourself on the floor, uh, seeing bees trying to get you and swatting at them and leaving your wife or your spouse behind, know that you have a problem. There's something that's going on. You you might need to, to break the fever. You might have something else going on. Avoiding the doctor or pretending does not help. In the same way, if you've ever sinned, if you've ever lied or stole something, been jealous or proud or arrogant or violent, you have a problem. Avoiding the Lord, avoiding church, pretending it's not there, whatever you do in response actually does not help. Recognizing that you're a sinner and that you need a Savior, it diagnoses the problem and, and points us to the answer, the cure in Jesus, salvation in Jesus. See, we as believers, we believe that there is a cure, there is hope, there is salvation way greater than anything that anyone else can offer. There is an eternal hope of salvation and forgiveness in Jesus that we need to remind ourselves every day. Uh, being vulnerable, we're being broken. But in that brokenness, we we have the answer. We know Jesus is, has saved us. You know, over the years with my dad, he's, he's been diagnosed with uh, MS like 30 years ago, and over the years, people have offered lots of advice for my dad. Uh, you can just uh, alkaline water, different ionization, magnets, guava juice. The most ironic one, because of the dream thing, was if he would go to Arizona and be stung by these certain bees, that's funny, right? Uh, that that would help. You, you know what's interesting in all the in all the years of all those people, people were so excited to like. I think I know. I might know the answer for you. If you just did this, if you just didn't have this food, if you did this, they had all the answers, and no one was ashamed or afraid to offer that. Christian, you have the ultimate cure. The ultimate answer, the salvation of our souls, the forgiveness of your sins, the hope for what the the world longs for. So let's don't pretend. Let's don't hide. When you get in a situation where maybe somebody is just laughing like, I don't know, whatever, or crying because they're undone, some of it is the diagnosis of, yeah, you're longing for something that's way greater than what this world has to offer. Uh, the Bible tells us, uh, Solomon tells us that God has put eternity in the hearts of every man and woman, that there's this, this eternal like emptiness, and we try to fill it with everything uh, experiences, um, money, uh, feeling like value and all these things. But at the end of it, it never fills up, and so we long for more and more, because that, that can only be filled by eternity. And that's only through the blood of Jesus. So I think if you would, as a Christian, if you were brought to see that basket and you looked into the eyes, you would look into your own eyes, but then you would also see Jesus is there as well. As he's taken in himself your sin and wickedness and carried it far, far away. And that's good news, right? Let's pray. Lord, thank you for this strange vision. And as uh, even we... Uh, continue to meditate on it and think about it, Lord, would you um, reveal in us the brokenness, the wickedness, Lord, that we, would, that we would give that over to you, Lord. That we wouldn't pretend or just laugh it off, but that we would recognize we, there's a serious problem with us that can only be uh, cured, can only be answered and giving our lives over to you, Lord, that your death would become our death and your life would become our life and that we would walk um, every day in repentance um, and just longing to you to see our sin removed from the land so that we could uh, live in the design and the forgiveness and the life that that only you can offer. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.
0: Thank you for joining us here at Hollyview Church.